0: All right. Well, we have been looking at uh, Marxism and the Black Lives Matter movement the last four days. If you missed any of those broadcasts, I would encourage you just to go to The Gospel for Life. Subscribe to it as a podcast so you can kind of get caught up on it. Also, there's a couple other resources that you could listen to. There's a podcast called Sovereign Nations. What's that guy's name? Michael O'Fallon. Michael O'Fallon, and he has done tons of stuff on social justice. Also, he, which is related to Black Lives Matter and Marxism, uh, he had a G3 conference back at the beginning of 2019 with several speakers, one of them including uh, Vody Bachman. He did a message called What is Social Justice? If you if you feel like you're behind the, the eight ball on this stuff, go and listen to that podcast. It's called uh, Sovereign Nations, and you can really kind of get your – your hands around it. So today, we're kind of just continuing yesterday's program. Uh, we talked about how Marxism and BLM is a worldview that seeks to explain everything. And the way that a worldview seeks to explain everything is it answers three basic questions. The questions of creation, fall, redemption. Creation, how did I get here? What's the purpose of life? Fall, uh, what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with me? And redemption, how is the world and me made right? And yesterday we answered those first two questions of creation and fall regarding Marxism and, and Black Lives Matter. So today we're moving to redemption or atonement. Uh, in terms of Marxism and, and the Black Lives Matter movement, which is a species of it, how do they say the world is made right? And how am I made right in
1: that worldview? Well, it's tough when you're talking about atonement, because when it gets reduced to racial determinism and power classes, you never really can. Because the whole point is that they want to transfer guilt and repentance from individual responsibility to structures. Well, I can't apologize for a structure or make that right. Certainly, we can't dig our ancestors up for repentance and give them a fair trial Uh, But neither can I by myself change all the structures. And of course, you're assuming I agree with your idea of changing structures to begin with. And in other words, I have to repent and ask Karl Marx into my heart. I mean, (laughs) let's just be honest. That's what's happening here. Uh, I have to help you. I have to join you in changing those power structures. Otherwise, I'm still complicit. But there's never... um,
0: Well, maybe before I comment on that, Phil, how if you're if you're one of your congregants is asking you, you know how how am I made right in the Marxist movement? You know what's their definition of atonement or redemption? How would you answer that Any differently mm-hmm. than
2: what mm-hmm. Matt has offered? <laughs> no, I, I think I think Matt nailed it. but um in the in the Marxist ideal, uh, the the Marxism, uh, and by the way, there was a, a Christian theologian of several generations ago named Nicholas Berjayev who said that Marxism was a Christian heresy that uh, it is the kingdom without the king. It's the effort to build this perfect society of equality and shared blessing. And uh, it's going to do it. Marxism is go- is going pr- to purports to build this by destroying all human power structures. Now, let's just acknowledge right up front that uh, human power structures are are sinful because uh, they're, they're they're every one of them is tainted with sin because we are all sinful human beings. We are made of bent timber, mm-hmm. as Kant would have said. Mm-hmm. But um, because of that, then the Marxist idea of salvation or of or of achieving uh, the the what we call the kingdom that is that is coming. Um, where all social distinctions are crushed and, and put aside and, and everybody lives in this state of equality where you know, every person has what they need and every person shares out of their abundance. And, but they're going to they're gonna get there, and this is the falsehood why they will never get there is because they divide humanity up between the innocent and the guilty, between the oppressed classes and the oppressor classes. And uh, George Orwell, who wasn't even a Christian, demonstrated why that won't work in his wonderful little book, Animal Farm. And I'm convinced there's a lot of young people today that ought to be locked in a room somewhere with a copy of Animal Farm. Because, and if you remember that story, when the pigs take over the when the animals take over the farm and they say all animals are equal, within a couple of weeks, it's well, some animals are more equal than others. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and that's it, actually what you're <laughs> finding in that uh, that Capitol Hill autonomous zone. That's going on.
2: <laughs> that's going on right now as we speak. Animal Farm is being lived out because you haven't changed the heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so. There's just going to be new people in power. Remember what the remember what the Who used to sing. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Um, so, uh, well, let's let's
0: you mentioned off air uh, Ephesians two. Let's turn there, but let me just quickly summarize what I heard from you two guys. So, in the in the gospel account, um, Jesus said on the cross, "It is finished," meaning atonement has been paid in full. Uh, there is Nothing else to be done for my people to be atoned. It is done. You're finished. You're justified. You're clean in my sight. In terms of Marxism, there is no definitive point of atonement, is there? No. You have to continue to – it's very kind of Catholic, for lack of a better phrase. Purgatory, yeah. Yeah, it's you're in constant racial purgatory or economic purgatory.
3: You can't get the done from doing – -hmm. They're just still constantly doing. There's never a done. There's never an it is finished. And that's not not good news. That's
0: bad news. Yeah, that's bad
3: news. Yeah, that's that's the treadmill. And uh, you know the the wonderful thing about the gospel is that we had someone in Jesus Christ who lived the perfect life and died the substitutionary death for our sin, and so he can say it is finished when when his life and death are are credited to our account.
0: That's right. That's right. So, um Ephesians chapter 2, why is this
1: passage relevant for this discussion on black lives matter? What's happening in the people that push back and say, "Uh that that's that's such a cheap minimizing answer to say the gospel or it's sin or Jesus or something. Come on, we're talking about serious things here." And what they're doing is they're disbelieving in the gospel that Jonathan just mentioned. They're that that Jesus doesn't have the resources to heal these divides. But the division between Jew and Gentile And was, that's the context of Ephesians. Yeah, that's too. the context here. It's infinitely greater than, the, than any other differences. And so um, it, it says to the Gentiles, Paul does in verse 12, "'Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, "'alienated from the commonwealth of Israel "'and strangers to the covenants of promise, "'having no hope and without God in the world. "'But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off "'have been brought near by the blood of Christ.'" For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So you 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 get rid of the ultimate difference in, between races, Jew and Gentile. Because what was that wall ultimately? It was made up of the holiness of God. And there's no greater barrier than the barrier between a holy God and sinful humanity. And so he created this one people that were sort of covered in that, that holiness distinction. That's what separated them. You can imagine the resentment of people toward the Jews. That's, I believe, why people resent the Jews to this day, is that mm-hmm. they remind them of God and the difference between God and man. And so for people to say, Pfft, that, that's just so cheap, don't you know how bad this group of people had it? Or don't you know how terrible these laws were and things? And we're not minimizing it, but we're saying if Christ can, can do away with that hostility, he can do away with any other.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe Phil um, or Jonathan, maybe one of you guys can you know, describe why the Jew and Gentile separation is, is bigger than any separation with, with, throughout human history.
3: Well, I, th- I think Matt uh, really nailed it. You know, you have a, you have a, a God who's come and revealed Himself to people who were to be a blessing to the in all the nations, and uh, you know, the, although they they uh, had a an allegiance to God in some way, they didn't have an allegiance to His. Uh, Purpose. He's a missionary God. He sent a missionary son and has uh, and has a missionary Holy Spirit who's drawing men from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Well, you know they they became what some you know, even Christians are today. Us four and no more. And and so there was this division, and and uh, and there was a hostility toward those whom they were to be a blessing to. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm answering the question
2: right, but I think that you know that's one of the one of those reasons. Yeah. Well, your your heart and mind is going exactly the same direction that mine was, Jonathan. That what part of what went wrong, and it's just it's part of it's part of human sin that's endemic to every single one of us. That the the blessing of God to the Jews turned into uh, uh, devolved into ethnic pride.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: and uh, there became this, instead of being a light to the nations, there was this dividing wall of hostility, yeah. as Paul describes we're it. We're on God's side because we're Jewish. Yes, yeah. and uh, we can all fall into that, if we, and particularly when we begin to identify ourselves. Uh, it's sometimes referred to as identity politics, which is part and parcel of uh, cultural Marxism that we are first and foremost members of groups, whether it's racial groups or economic groups or, uh, or the different sexes and different sexual identities um, and we form a wall around our group and find pride and identity and meaning and purpose within our group. Well, Ephesians two talks about Jesus Christ breaking down the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. Well, Jesus, Jesus Christ breaks down every wall, dividing wall of hostility, and He is. And this is not. And I know this is gets called cliche, um, as Matt was pointing out a little while ago. That's just such a simplistic answer to say, you say Jesus is the answer. Uh, You know, it is simple and powerful and profound. Jesus Christ broke down the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. A bigger, and weak, hard for us to imagine now, today, how big and monolithic that dividing wall was. And Jesus Christ still does. And, and uh, that's why it's not simplistic to say the gospel of Jesus Christ and reconciliation in Him is the answer to racial hostility. Well, and
0: part of the reason, you know, this show is called The Gospel for Life. One of the things we mean by that is the gospel is the gospel has been reduced in our day and for, for many decades to just simply be kind of an invitation to unbelievers to, to welcome them into the camp of God, kind of like a uh, to to be crass, a vomiting of John 3.16 upon people, and then that's what the gospel is. But the gospel yeah. is so much more profound than simply an invitation. Mm-hmm. The gospel of Jesus Christ, in, in in a very simple sense, is Jesus Christ. And the whole New Testament seeks to explain what it means to be in him, what it means to be reconciled to God, what it means to be reconciled to fellow man. And if your view of the gospel is merely an invitation to – uh unbelievers to to believe and be saved then the problem is not that the gospel is not the answer the problem is that you have a defective view of the gospel
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: well we have about 15 seconds does anybody have a recommendation for the gospel for the full gospel that we could offer our listeners All right, I got one. God God is the Gospel by John Piper, I think, is a good book. Uh, What is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert, I think, is a fairly good book. That's a
2: good little book, and it's short, too. It's short. Um, Anything else?
0: Hard read, The Death of Death and the Death of Christ by John Owen. Yeah. Yeah. That'll take a while to read, though. Yeah. (laughs) All right, well, brothers, it's been so great uh, talking to you about these issues um, the last few days, and we hope that our listeners have been